Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. Welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Today's discussion is some of the key takeaways that I, we're going to hit on today is how to innovate through process. So what we're going to be talking about is really community-based rehabilitation and really increasing access to care for people in the community that may not be able to get access to services in more conventional ways. So it's really about creating solutions. It's about finding opportunities where in current state, they may not yet exist until one comes up with a solution that might help people get further access to the kind of support that they might need. So if you're sitting at home today thinking about there's this problem that we haven't yet solved around serving people or finding a solution, you're going to want to listen up to our guest today as he talks about some of his journey into serving a subset of the population in a way that really helps them where they're currently at. So I'm going to want you to really listen up today as we have John Shamoon with us talking about some of his work in this space. So a little bit more about John. John is a developmental service worker who is actually located in London, Ontario. He works with Stride Rehab, is somebody who really is passionate about collaboration and communication and really working together in community. He's quite a humble man, and I respect that greatly about him, but he's helped to really extend the continuum of care. And that's something that immediately impressed me about him and his work, is he's, he's really about serving those in need. In fact, when we first met, he was even in transit from being out there in community, taking care of the clients for which he serves, and was apologetic about being like even like a second late. So uh, punctuality is very, very important to him because he's very respectful of each person's time. So that's part of why I'm so grateful to have him here today because of that commitment that he has to people and how precious their time is. So uh, John, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful to dig a little bit in with you here. In terms of your bio, I know, um, you know we, we've known each other for for a little while now, but is there anything that you'd like to add to your bio that I may have missed? Absolutely. You know, one of the main messages and one of the main points that I always like to discuss with people whenever someone says, what are you passionate about, John? What is it that drives you? What makes you want to wake up and do what you do? And it's a really simple thing for me. Anytime there is a problem, I really and genuinely look at it as, okay, this is my opportunity to come up with a number of solutions. So I never look at the problem as my enemy or as, as the obstacle. I look at it as the presentation of what I need to overcome. Mm. Quite simply, that's, that's all it is. So on any given day, if I'm faced with, you know, you know, X number of what we would call problems, I just navigate those in terms of, okay, this is what I need to do to overcome them. So that would be, oh, that would be the main takeaway um, that I'd like to share about that. That's amazing. I mean, there's a lot. To, to think about with that, you know, for many people, you know, it can be sometimes easier when we think about a problem to try and think, okay, how do I make this easier? You know, like, how do I, or how do I avoid this problem? 
what is it in you that that led you to this line of thinking? Have you always kind of been that way? I haven't always been this way. No, you know, it was a, I didn't recognize this probably until my young adult life. So I'm lucky enough to have the mother and father that I do. I was born in Iraq, Baghdad. Mm. Um, I once, after I was born, my parents didn't want me to, you know, stay there and, you know, go to the army when I turned 16 or 17 or whatever it was. So they wanted a better life and um, mm. ended up coming to Canada. And lucky for me, I grew up here. The At the time, I didn't recognize it, but I saw my parents as I was growing up. I saw constant struggle because they are functionally illiterate. You know, they can't read, they can't write. They stopped going to school at a young age to help their families um, mm-hmm. at the farm and at the store and all that stuff. So they, they were working from a young age, helping out with their families. So coming to Canada, when I got to an age where I could recognize that my parents were in constant you know, I guess, problem solving mode. I didn't realize at the time that they woke up every day and they couldn't speak the language. They couldn't read the language, but they were doing what they could for their family to have a good life here. So I remember countless number of people where we would be out in the community. And for instance, you know, my mom would be attempting to ask someone how to get somewhere or, you know, how to get to a certain place or access a service. And there were so many gracious people who, there were some who took my mom by the hand and took us to where we needed to go. And I remember as a kid thinking like, wow, this is, yeah, I genuinely felt to myself, wow, this is really great. I don't know who this person is, but they just like made my mom feel amazing. Uh, There were other times where people, you know, and, and I don't think it's because people were trying to be mean, but there were others who weren't so outwardly kind, like they would turn their shoulder or, or perhaps carry on and pretend they didn't hear. So I remember as a young person thinking, I've seen so many people help my mom and dad, and I've seen so many turn their back. I didn't know when I was a kid what I wanted to do when I grew up, but I knew that I wanted to make people feel the way that the ones who helped my family out, how they made my mom and dad feel. So for me, that has legitimately been the driving force. And I've been given a great opportunity in this country. I have so many opportunities at my disposal that I can't for a moment think to myself that I can't stop and do the same for others who need it. That's that's what it is. Wow. Holy smokes. I mean, it all makes sense now as I hear more about what you do and who you <laughs> yeah. are and what motivates you. It makes so much sense. And thank you to your parents. and. Uh, and to all the people that helped them, you know, I love that story because it really makes me think more about what you're doing and how I came to know a little bit more of your work. You know, for people, you know, I keep hinting at it, but maybe for context, for, for people that are listening, could you explain a little bit more about what Stride Rehab does in the community and how that's really carrying forward some of that legacy that we're talking about? For sure, I can. Yeah. So Stride Rehab, we are a group of rehabilitation support workers. So our specialty is working with folks who have brain injury, spinal cord injury. Those would be the folks that we support. Um, that would be the, the largest population that we support. Now, there's a certain subset. There are individuals that we support who have developmental disabilities. And of course, within that population, there are also folks who have you know, uh, addiction issues, mental health issues that, that go along with all of that. So That is the population that we serve. And ultimately, what happens is that we are working within a multidisciplinary rehabilitation team. So 
A large target are motor vehicle accident claims that we work on. So unfortunately, someone gets into an accident. They may have uh, some orthopedic injuries, uh, concussion, brain injury. And if that person has some accident benefits, what would happen is a medical rehab team would be sort of put into place to assist this person in beginning their you know, road to recovery. And that's where a rehab support worker comes in. So we work alongside occupational therapists, social workers, psychotherapists, uh, there'd be a physiotherapist on the file. Not sure if I mentioned occupational therapists, but there, there are a number of us and we would typically take our direction. The rehab support workers take their direction from the OT physio that are on the team and, and anyone else that's on the team. So it's our job to take all the goals that are being recommended. And when we go in to see a client, so we might see a client once or twice a week for two hours. And if we've got five goals in total, from the regulated uh, team members, we might work on two goals on day one and the other three on the other day. But one of the biggest things that we do, Mark, is when we go in to see a client, we can't go in with this attitude of, okay, I got to work on these goals today. We got to go in and, and see how the client's doing. They may not have slept the night before. Affect might be might not be where it needs to be for them to sort of be in a position where they can recover optimally by working on certain goals. So we need to take all of those things into consideration before implementing anything. And, and we can rotate the goals based on how the client's doing on any given day. For sure. Sounds awesome. For people, that's, that's a, lot, a lot about you. And I love this is why I love, I just love what you're doing and your approach to it. So again, thank you for sharing that with, with us, you know, for people that are out there. And I think you already hinted at it a bit, people who might tend to listen to this could be people that work in the rehabilitation field. These could be individuals that have, you know, been through a rehabilitation following primarily maybe something like a concussion or brain injury. They could be family members or just really people in the community interested in innovation and in service. You know, what is really, if we're to kind of really distill out a main message for people, when you think about your work in your life in this work, what is your main takeaway, take home message for people that are listening? That's an amazing question. And it's something that I do think about often. And what I mean by that is, is really quite simple. I know for me personally, you know, whether we're talking about work or our own personal lives, I, I'll, I'll speak for me from a personal perspective. There are lots of things in my own life, of course, that, you know, I wake up and I think my day is going to go a certain way and, you know, everything is, you know, hunky-dory, as they say. I've come to terms with the fact that things are going to happen in life and, you know, as positive as we are going to be and we try to be. I know that if I tell myself that sometimes things aren't going to go as planned, but there's going to be a second best solution. And as long as I know that there's an opportunity to overcome that, that's okay. And, and, I, and I think that that's a good thing because if I were to have all these expectations on how things should go, I don't know, that would, I'd, I'd be setting myself up for some kind of failure. So when I transfer that over into my professional life and I'm working with folks that come from various worlds. I often talk about sharing my own experiences with people by saying, you know, I understand that you want it to be, you know, this way, but that's not happening at the moment. And here's how it is happening. And then I just ask in a gentle way. And I, and I suggest, is this the worst thing in the world? And, you know, 9.9 times out of 10, it's, it's no, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think sometimes people's expectations get in the way of what is okay and what is not okay. 
A hundred percent. And I think it really speaks to this mindfulness. Like that's real world mindfulness is that if we're actually present in the now, then we can realize that, oh, the fact that that one thing that I was hoping would happen didn't happen does not define me, you know? Exactly. And, and, And I think that's such an important, you know, mindset as we think about the world of disability and of rehabilitation is that this car accident does not define me. You know, That's right. how I respond to it today, right now, with John, is more important. Well, and, and you know, I, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of learning so much from so many people who wake up every single day, who have a much more difficult day than mine, just because they woke up. It really, it allows me to keep myself in check to understand, you know, it, yeah, it's not a bad day that my car didn't start or that I'm running late for something, or that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling uh, like I've got a lot of work on the go. Those are not end of world things. They're inconvenient and they're not fun, but they're, they're things that with a good night's rest and getting an early start the next day, you're fine, you know, to carry on. I love that. I mean, I'm learning more about your time, you know, uh, you know, commitment, respecting other people's time. And I, and I really like that. That's something I could learn from, you know, the running joke around, around my office, I'm constantly two to three minutes late. I have my, I have my own time zone. So I'm working towards changing that, you know, I, uh, and I really love that main message. It's that context, you know, we never know what someone else might be going through, but as long as we're relatively clear on what we're trying to do with our day and the time in our day and focused in those efforts, maybe through our efforts, we could help someone to get more out of their day. If what we bring to the table could actually be in service of that individual that had the harder time even waking up. You know, I like the way you phrased that. I think that's Thank a really, you. really good I, uh, I appreciate perspective. That. Now, that's kind of the main message. When you think about things that you would like to see change in kind of the community-based rehabilitation world, if there was really one main thing that you could change and or improve or that frustrates you, you know, what might that be? Yeah, that's that's another really great question. I think like just from my my own personal observation and, and working with so many different individuals, young and old, and everything in between, the one thing that stands out is, you know, because we live in a culture where, you know, if we don't feel well, we go see the doctor. And we're lucky enough that we live in a in a great enough country that we can do that. And our doctor says, yeah, listen, you know, whatever it might be, you know, you've got an infection, take this antibiotic, you know, you take an antibiotic and, you know, 14 days later, you know, well, within three or four days, you're feeling great. And the infection's Mm -hmm. gone within a week or two. When we talk about brain injury, when we talk about chronic pain, when we talk about disability, when we talk about something that doesn't just go away because of a prescription, I often find that some folks I support really struggle with the idea that things can't just be fixed. Like you can't take a, you know, a medication where you are going to be fine eventually. So I think probably one of the greatest takeaways or one of the greatest things that I always like to share is it's never about trying to find, I mean, though it would be lovely to find a permanent cure or something that could make a brain injury go away. I think sharing with people that there are lots of other alternative options. And I don't, when I say alternative options, I don't mean non-medicinal, like there, there's a place for pharmacology. There's a place for your family doctor. There's a place for specialists, but there's also so many other things. So we have to look at our injury and treat it from an entire perspective. So holistically speaking, 
Mm-hmm. And so I would think that just a greater awareness for people to understand and believe that it's not just a one path where you go see a doctor and then eventually, you know, you're going to be cured because of taking a, a medication, if you will. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And I think that so many people would agree with you, you know, it's something that we need to see improve and change. And, yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Of course, the medication plays an integral and important role, but it, it, it shouldn't just be the only, it, it shouldn't be the only thing that we sort of rely on. There, there should be other um, options that we engage ourselves in to try and live a more meaningful life. Because when you, when you are in a place where you've got a brain injury or concussion and the effects are long lasting, we're talking more about a quality of life. You know, like yeah. how does a person wake up and engage meaningfully within their community on a day-to-day basis, whether they're continuing to work or if these people are off work, how do they still maintain that quality of life and a level of belonging? Because oftentimes there's, there's, you know, I, I see a lot of isolation with some of the folks that I work with and they begin to feel a little bit less than, and, and it's, it's really not, they're not less than. Um, I often like to share with them that their job at that time is, their job is actually to get better and that their job is far more difficult than anything I could ever do or I would ever have to do. So I think just sharing a bit of perspective with people gives them, gives them a sense of just understanding that, okay, you know, just because my work has changed, it doesn't mean I'm not as important. And, and, you know, everyone I think wants to feel important. Who doesn't want to feel important? It's something that, you know, I think is a great strength of yours is you have a, you're an amazing communicator but also your, and this is something I'm really curious about. We would like to thank our sponsors. Our sponsors definitely help to make everything happen with this podcast to bring you the guests that we get and the content that we're able to deliver. Today, I really want to acknowledge and thank Echoes. Echoes is an organization that's really committed to virtual care and really helping people to improve their cognitive capacities and overall quality of life through virtual care modalities. So you want to learn more about the team over at Echoes. They've got a really motivated team of professionals committed to helping you reach your goals for 2022. So if you're looking to live a more positive life, live with more energy, have more attention, you might want to reach out to them. You can reach them at www.myechoes.com and a team member from the Echoes staff will get back to you in short order. So have you always been able to get to the giving of vulnerability? Like you're somebody who I think is this very good communicator. You're very, you can be very vulnerable, which I think can really help to increase connection. And it's something that I know for myself when I first started working with people as an educator, I felt like vulnerability was the enemy. I felt (laughs) like I had to be great every day. I had to be perfect. I had to be Superman. And then I found that, you know, by taking maybe a little bit of a lesson from your book saying, actually today, Mark's youngest son, who's, you know, two months old was screaming all night (laughs) and I'm exhausted today (laughs) and I'm going to need your help. You know, how did you get to that level of vulnerability? Because I think it's probably something that really helps you connect with clients and, and really ultimately probably helps you to continue along your mission. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you, Mark. I would say that that genuinely, it stems from 
I mean, first and foremost, I landed in, in the world of working with people with disabilities and brain injuries. And these are all folks who are vulnerable. And as I shared earlier, it's because I really got a, I had a front row seat uh, to the greatest mm. show in the world as a right. little kid looking up. I saw my parents being vulnerable every day. So I think I was lucky enough that somehow I took the experiences that I lived Mm. and I took them in and I'm doing everything I can to try and sort of replicate them in a reverse role where I'm the person that's doing the helping. So when I am with people, I don't allow their vulnerabilities to become their weakness. You just, you were sort of identified, you alluded to it just like 30 seconds ago. And that has, it's helped me. Not mm-hmm. only does it help me, but I also will share with clients. I'll share with clients things that I struggle with because I do struggle with things. And it, it just, it allows me to be on the same level as, as, Love it. as anybody, right? You never want to, I don't want to go in and I don't want there to be a disparity of this is my worker. They're, you know, somehow, some way, because they're my worker, they're above me. I just, I never like that. I always want to be on the same level as people. And I, I just, yeah, it's, it's helped. So I think, I think that it's just been my experiences, but ultimately I'm so grateful that somehow, some way, you know, in, in my, in my, in a small part of my brain, I kept the idea of making sure that people's vulnerabilities don't make them weak. Oh, I love that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I really love that approach. And I think we just need more of that. We need a lot more of that in this world today. And uh, I want to commend you for that. And, you know, something we hit on earlier before we started recording, and I think it's an important message, and you've already hinted at it, but, you know, when you think about the most influential books or experiences or people in your life that have really helped to influence how you show up in this work, you know, what might those be or those people be or books be? That, that have really, and we've got to try to keep it to one, maybe two. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to make this easy and maybe even kind of boring because you, you've heard it already. You know, I've read a lot of books and uh, I do love reading, but I have to go back to the fact that I always say that I won the lottery and that lottery was watching my parents who, who can't read and write who woke up every single day and there wasn't, there wasn't, I mean, there was, there was a lot of tough times for sure. There was rough times, but there was never doubt that they would be okay. And I think watching them have that brave face and seeing them every day go out uh, in that time of their lives. And, you know, I don't want to use the word fight, but the, the fight is more of a figurative word in that they weren't giving up. Seeing that for me, was a greater education than anything I have ever come across in any book, going to school, um, or even my, my current uh, relationships personally and professionally with people. That has been the single source of motivation and continuing to forge mm. forward. So sorry if it was not the answer. I love it. Before, but but it, really, it really is that. I often share with my parents how thankful I am. And so how cool. I am just for purpose of, of sharing. They've done very well and uh, they didn't win the lottery They're They don't have, you know, they don't have any trust funds or anything like that. The one key ingredient, just get up and work hard. So oh, I, I love it. So I love it. So I figure that if I just get up and work hard, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, oh my God, I just love what you said. And this is one of the most powerful conversations I've had in a long time because the way you said that through such great context, 
as we think about extrapolating that to the people in which we serve, sadly, for many people with chronic brain injury, yeah. it's get up and rest and go slow. Right. It's, it's Or don't even get up. Like Take it real slow because you have this brain injury that has impacted your attention and your memory and your capacity to really contribute. And I think that I, I think it's done with good intention. I don't think it's a poor, you know, there's any malintent. But actually, when you think about it and you think about the lessons learned through your parents and your journey, it's really interesting because I'm with you 100%. Like, yeah. Get up and work hard. First of all, be clear on what you're working hard towards. But I know that's ensued anyways. But, yeah. you know, what a wonderful statement, because as I think about some of the world of the work that, that I'm involved in, Sadly, a lot of people that I come in contact with were told, no, take it easy, take it slow. You've had yeah. this brain injury, you know, don't expect much, especially post two years, you got to really go slow. And, you know, if I, if I told that to your parents, they'd look at me like I'm crazy. So, well, yeah, you know. I mean, I know, I, and, and, you know, I, I completely understand and, and there's the right there's the, uh, the the right message when we look at it, right? Like, I mean, even if I were to take, when I share that message with the folks that I support and I say, you know, all you got to do is work hard. I know, I know it's easier said than done. Like I understand that. And I also understand it's different when you have a brain injury, a concussion, an orthopedic injury, the struggle is different, but there's a struggle. So the obstacle is the struggle. That's what we need to focus on. And working hard sometimes means you got to go slow. Right. Like yeah. working hard, working yeah. hard doesn't actually yeah. mean get up and go for 16 hours really hard because, well, I'm, I'm not sure that too many people could do that for too long of a time without burning out. So it is a matter of definition for sure, depending on what we're talking about. But I, I think I think the grander message in all of it is that there are no shortcuts. Right. There's no shortcuts. That's really all it comes down to. I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You know, I've been reading a lot, you know, like you. And uh, it really reminds me of some of the work that you hear out there right now. And it's becoming really contemporary, which makes me go, hmm, hmm. but, um, you know, some of the stuff where, that you're, you're seeing in modern society become popular again around Stoic philosophy. And right. it's very interesting, right? Like one of the more popular books over the past 10 years was written by a guy by the name of Ryan Holiday, which is The Obstacle is the Way. And that's kind of exactly what you're kind of hinting at through very good contextual experience. That's that book is on my list. I I, I can't wait to read that. I I, I actually heard uh, someone talking about that, and I the title just captured me. Like the obstacle is the way. I just thought that's the beautiful book. It's a beautiful like, book. Oh, that's one of, one of my one of my favorites. And you know, he's a good author too. He's very. Um, oh, I can't wait to read interesting. it. Interesting. So, so w- when you think about this work, and thank you again for your vulnerability and sharing that story. I absolutely love that. Smart. When you think about your hope for the future in this space, you know, what does that look like for you? If, you know, if we, if we gave kind of the crystal ball for the future to you and you're thinking about the world of the people that you serve and really disenfranchised people in need of community support everywhere, what does that hope look like? And what is that crystal ball holding it for the future? It would hold more of, of the approach that I take right now, uh, just a greater awareness for people. And then listen, this also means for myself included, right? Like we're, we're all in the same boat, navigating the same waters. We all have different struggles, but I think just the awareness and understanding that there will be a solution. There is a solution. There's always one. And just as long as we 
or, you know, I'll speak from me again, just as long as I can always remember that I may not love the solution, but as long as there is one, then, then it's a win. So I think the more people that we can get onto that boat, if you will, to understanding that just because you don't have the solution you want, it doesn't mean that the next best one is not a good one. And I, I think just the frame of mind of having people understand that, that would be my wish. And listen, you know, I'll, that would be my wish for me as well. Because sometimes, sometimes the truth is, is that, you know, I want the other solution <laughs> because I'm a normal person who, who wants certain things. And sometimes those things don't happen. So it's nice when they don't, because then I can use that experience with someone who I'm supporting to say, hey, this happened to me. I don't love it, but it actually worked out pretty good. So more of an awareness, more of an awareness of being mindful in that uh, things could be a lot worse when they're not. So good. And again, it comes back to this mindfulness. You're a mindful guy. I mean, it, it really trying, trying to stay present and, and, you know, it's hard to do uh, in this world these days. My goodness. And I feel like whenever I need a mindful minute, I'm just going to have to call you up <laughs> get you to help me out. But for people that are out there listening, these might be providers. These could be people who are looking to extend their care out to community or people who just want to learn from you, connect with you. How do people get a hold of you to learn more about Stride, but also to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, simply, you know, the I know it's it's a boring way, but you know what? Our website uh, is a quick way if you're not looking to necessarily interact with me or with anyone. It's a great website. Okay, for people <laughs> listening, it's very very well done. That's part of how I got connected with John. Oh, thank it's you. Very very good. But I mean, for the for the folks that are out there who may have a slight interest and they don't really want to talk to anyone but want to know more, of course, our website www.striderehab.ca. We are on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, so there's lots of different ways of, of getting a hold of us or just seeing what we do. Awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate you and your parents. You're amazing. The story is just Thank awesome. You. It's transformational for me. So really, really cool. It's just wonderful to hear. And I knew when I first met you, there was something there. And this only re-solidifies it. So I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. I, I'm so happy that you had me on the show and that you took time out of your day, you know, to have me on. Uh, it was great. And I'm looking forward to doing it again. Awesome. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective, and that was to share stories of rehabilitation, of recovery from brain injury, to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members. So thank you again for all of the support with that. If this episode resonated for you and had value for you, we just ask, please download and share it. Please also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the podcast. Those ratings really matter and help us to spread the message. If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the Bears platform, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. Uh, training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this neuro rehabilitation platform.
thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.